that middle interview. Greetings from the state of Texas. Uh, your friend James, that metal interview podcast. We are interviewing now a former magazine editor uh, from England, from the UK, of course. Uh, he was working with Kerrang magazine. Who doesn't know Kerrang? K e r r a n g magazine. Uh, Mr. Howard Johnson. He now is the editor for Rock Candy magazine, and uh, he'll talk about that in the interview. And uh, of course, we're here to talk about that and his band. Um, Dawn After Dark Very cool rock uh, Let's take off right now by checking out Their most recent jam Dawn After Dark Here is Nothing Can Fulfill Me Without Your Love We'll be right back Dawn After Dark
if that isn't some badass rock and roll, I don't know what is good rock and roll nowadays, but there you go. That is some badass, badass rock and roll for you guys. The newest jam from Dawn After Dark, a song by the name of Nothing Can Fulfill Me Without Your Love. And uh, we're going to talk to Howard Johnson about the band's status of course nowadays since they got back together right before the pandemic and uh why they disbanded back in the day so anyways let's cut it short and here is our interview with mr howard johnson of dawn after dark enjoy yes uh so what part of the world are you at right now right now i'm in the deep south of portugal oh wow how is the weather in, in the in the same village where steve harris has a house really Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what an honor. Steve, Steve's, Steve's an old friend of mine, and he told me about this place a long time ago. So I like to come down here in, for a couple of months in the winter where the, where the sun shines a little. Wow. Very cool. A rock star close to a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'd say a rock star close to a wannabe. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so uh, first question. Uh, new album, uh, New Dawn Rising on Chapter 22 Records. Uh, how long did it take to record this album? Can you talk about that? Yeah, I can. It was um, it was done at a strange time, as I'm sure a lot of people will have told you over the last couple of years, when COVID really hit, um, and it meant that it was very hard to get five people in one place at one time. Yeah. But uh, through all the protocols, we managed to bring the band together in December of 2020 in our hometown of Birmingham in the Midlands of England, uh, a place I'm sure you know about because of its great rock history with Priest and Sabbath and a whole lot of other bands. And um, and we recorded very quickly over a period of five days um, and managed to, um, as I say, avoid all the protocols and uh, make sure that we followed all the restrictions. And, um, and we were very happy with the results. Very cool stuff. Um did you guys record it? Well, you just talked about it. Uh, did you guys at any point record as a group uh, or get together as a group? I know you guys got back together in 2019, right? Yeah, I mean, we got to get back together just before all COVID problems hit. Um, I yeah. don't know if you know the history of the band. We were around yes. um, in the day in uh, in the late 80s right. and yeah. did a lot of touring at the time. Yeah. Uh, we released three 12-inch singles on, uh, amazingly enough, Chapter 22, the label that we're still with today. Right. And then, as happened with a lot of bands, um, we splintered around about 1990 for, um, for reasons of uh, pressure, lack of money, the usual things, um, and went our separate ways and never thought that really the band would be resurrected. And then in 2019... We had a, a call out of the blue from a promoter who was putting on a show with a band called Balam and the Angel in Birmingham again. Um, that was a band we toured with a lot in the 80s and were friends of ours. And the promoter asked us if we'd be interested in reforming. And at first I thought it was a crazy idea. And then um, the more I thought about it, the more I thought it would be fun. Um, and so we put the lineup back together and played the show and were very surprised to see a lot of people turning up with Dawn After Dark t-shirts that hadn't been out of the cupboards in 30 years. And wow. that kind of um, made us feel inspired to want to do a little more. And um, and because Chapter 22 uh, were very keen for us to record for the label again, um, that's how the band came together. It was really a, 
uh, a strange set of circumstances and not anything that we'd uh, foreseen at all. Yeah, that was one of my questions. Uh, why? Uh, what happened in uh, back in 1991? Uh, why did the band disband or break up? Right. That was one of my questions. But there you go. <clears throat> well, so, you know, it was it was the it was the usual stuff, James. That yeah. that. Fighting, fighting over money that didn't exist. We got, we, we. There was talk of a publishing deal that might be offered to us, and of course, we were all skint and had no money. And, and <laughs> some, some people's heads got turned by the idea that there might be some money, and of course, there never was any. So it ended up being a split about something that was just pure fantasy, which was, you know, the kind of kind of stupid and idiotic things that happen when you're 23 years old. <laughs> yeah, you, you hear that a lot in in many bands, of course. It's, it's, it's yeah, sad, it's absolutely. Sad. Uh, and if we, if we'd been a little bit more mature, it probably wouldn't have happened. And who knows where we'd be today? But as it turned out, that was the way things were. And uh, a thirty-year hiatus is perhaps some kind of record. I don't know that there are many bands that took thirty years before <laughs> decided to get back together again. But that's what we did. And and in many ways, it's um, it's just been a much more enjoyable experience. Um, making the new dawn rising album was just joyous because all those stupid young man ego things are put to one side and we were all there for one reason and one reason only and that's because we love making the music so how did you feel uh, playing for the first time uh live after 30 years or so well the, the funny thing about that was james that we were always a really hard working live band i think over the course of the kind of the four years that the band was um existent in the late 80s and into the 90s we probably did over 200 shows so for us you know for a relatively small band on an indie label that was a that was chalking up a lot of performances so i wasn't particularly uh nervous or concerned about coming back though i was obviously aware that it had been an awful long time since people had seen the band um but without wanting to sound too egotistical the reason that i'm i play in a band is not really about um wanting to please other people primarily it's about wanting to please myself and play music that i love um and it's just a happy coincidence when people in the audience enjoy it and on that one night in 2019 to see so many people who'd been there in the 80s and were still enthusiastic about the band was uh, was really gratifying and it kind of you know it made the night go incredibly well and it made us feel that that was something that was worth continuing wow that's so cool huh to come back uh, 30 years later and And you still got some fans that remember, you know, things from the... Yeah, I mean, that that was in perhaps, you know, one of the most surprising and gratifying things because we didn't know. We really didn't know whether there would be um, a public and an audience that were interested. Now, you know, we're not talking Guns N' Roses selling out stadiums, far from it. You know, we're, we're a speck in the ocean in comparison. But in our, in our little world of people who really knew their rock music in the 80s the band still has some significance for them and that that was fantastic it was a great feeling to to realize that people were out there who haven't forgotten uh, you know across across three decades which is quite an amazing thought really i play guitar myself and uh, i play in uh, local bands here in texas and uh mm-hmm. and we don't have uh you know t-shirts you know merchandise it's just a, a band you know and so i yeah. think i think in your in your situation i think one of the most uh, gratifying things is After 30 years, seeing an old T-shirt, somebody in the crowd with an old T-shirt of yours, I bet you that meant something. Something. It was a deep, a deep thing for for a musician for you guys. Yeah, it was absolutely, it was absolutely amazing to see that people had hadn't thrown them out. Maybe they found that their T-shirts were a little tight when they put them on again. <laughs> but, uh, 
it was amazing. It was amazing that people had still kept all that merchandising over the years, and to, and and also there were a really hardcore group of fans who used to follow the band all around Great Britain back in the eighties, and they were so excited to see the group again. And unfortunately, I don't know if you're aware of this, but our original bass player sadly died about um, fifteen years ago, oh. and. A lot of our original original following produced our own T-shirts in memory of Dave Askey, who was our bass player, and they turned up for that one show in 2019 wearing an In Memoriam Dawn After Dark T-shirt for Dave, which was very touching. Oh, wow. Sorry to hear that. Uh, but I know you got your drummer with you, right? The original drummer? Yeah, absolutely. Tony Henderson is the original drummer, and Tony, I, Tony and I have been... Um, friends for a long time uh as i say the band split under rather acrimonious circumstances at the night at the start of the 90s but 10 years later tony and i had put all that behind us and we've been firm friends for a long time and it's really tony and i i guess were the driving force between wanting the band to come back together and i think that tony's enthusiasm and his energy and his attitude had a lot to do with dawn after dark coming back and uh, I, I guess the reality of it is without tony there probably wouldn't be a band wow cool story you guys should uh you guys should write a, a book or maybe uh do a film on this <laughs> well it's funny that you should mention that james because we did write a book and we did publish it and oh, it's, wow. it's called what it's called what we are dawn after dark the story of the band and it really is um the reason for doing it wasn't because you know most most rock biographies you read about bands that sold out stadiums this is about a band that, that that had a real passion for what it did never really made those heights but never gave up on the dream so that book is available from our website oh, wow. www.thedawners.com and uh, it's like 260 pages full of incredible memorabilia because tony was one of those guys who just collected everything so from the minutest gig flyer to personal photos from everybody's archives to fans photos that they sent in it's a it's a real snapshot of a period in, t in time in the british rock scene and i think even if people don't know about dawn after dark that book is an interesting um reflection on um a time when rock music was processed in an entirely different way people would travel the length and breadth of the country watching bands and it became a real passion for people and i think that nowadays with streaming services and the lack of live venues you know, all across the world where bands can really you know play and just be on the road constantly at the level that we were at it's a it's a really interesting read to relive those times and i know a lot of our fans were really excited to uh, to see it wow i gotta look into that book um but still i would say uh you need that one more step and uh, extra step and uh, do a film. <laughs> I know it's easier said than done. <laughs> well, I, I, I guess I guess if, Anthra, if um, Anvil were able to make a film of yeah. their life story, <laughs> I don't think my door after dark wouldn't be a good subject matter. <laughs> right? There you go. They did it, so. Yeah, why not? So are you still working with uh, uh, Rock Candy magazine? Yeah, I still uh, have my day job as the editor of Rock Candy. I mean, I don't know if you're aware, but back in the 80s, I, I used to work for uh, Kerrang! magazine. Kerrang! So magazine, yeah. Obviously, uh, that was a, a big part of my life. Um, some people found it bizarre that I would want to kind of cross the divide and go from journalist to musician, but it always seemed uh, a quite natural step for me. I, I was very passionate about the music that I liked and loved, and I felt that I wanted to express myself by making music just as much as I did writing about it. 
right? I completely understand that. In the same the same situation, uh, a smaller yeah. smaller version, of course. I have my no, own. I have my own website, also news media, uh, jrocksmetalzone.com. And it's kind, uh, you know, it's it's always it's always struck me as a a, a, a good synergy. If you love music and yeah. you feel passionate about to write about it and tell people about new music you know the the likelihood is you're going to feel motivated enough to make it you know make it yourself and so and i think also nowadays people are much more open to the idea that people have many different strings to their bows you know back in the day i think people were suspicious of, of journos who wanted to be musicians i think that's that's disappeared now yeah so how was it working with a uh, kerrang for for so long <sighs> Well, I was there for nine years, and nine years sounds like a long time now, but the, 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 probably the most incredible thing about that period was, I, one, I was lucky enough to be working on Kerrang! in the glory days of that magazine, you know, the 80s when um, there was so much rock music everywhere yeah. in the world, such a huge, you know, huge industry and so, so, so popular. Um, so I felt that I, I really got the best opportunity to work for that magazine at the time when it was really significant but i think probably the most interesting thing for me is that now 30 years later i still have so many people who tell me how influential that magazine was on their lives how yeah. formative it was i mean it was really it was the bible of, of rock and metal right and, for sure and people used to hang on every word that the writers said and and in some ways I look back on it now and I'm glad that I wasn't aware of that because I think there was a great possibility my ego could have become, you know, could have gotten out of hand. But um, I hope that it didn't because I don't think that at the time I, I realised quite how important um, the writer's opinions in Kerrang! were. Of course, nowadays, there are so many different platforms and so many different media outlets. That, yeah. You know, people don't necessarily need... Um, to have rock journalists telling them what kind of music is good and what kind of music is bad because people can go and hear it for themselves. Um, yeah. But at the time, it was important. You know, there, were, there were very few um, outlets, really, in, in certainly in the UK, for people to find out about what the latest rock and metal bands were and, and what the quality of those groups was. So, Kerrang, I can understand, looking back on it now, why it was so important. Um, and I just feel very lucky and very privileged to have been part of an important magazine that kind of helped, helped to shape the musical culture of the 80s. Wow, very cool, cool story, cool story that you have there. You're a, <laughs> you're a legend in, uh, in, the, in the rock world, for sure, in the metal, rock metal world, for sure, so... Uh, well, it's not. It's nice of you to say that. I, I don't see myself that way. But if uh, if I've managed to bring some um, some joy to people, either with my writing or with my music, then I'm very satisfied. Awesome. So, speaking of uh, the band uh, Dawn After Dark, uh, are you guys coming to America anytime soon? Well, funnily enough, we were talking with our, our, our record label, Chapter Twenty Two, about this last week, and I know that. Um, the head of the label is a guy called Dean Brown. He's the guy who signed the band to the label. And I know that he was talking about being on a fact-finding mission to the States um, later this year uh, with a view to getting Chapter 22 artists out to play. Now, I don't know how feasible that is, but from my point of view, it's always been an ambition of mine to be able to play some shows in America because America is you know, so important and so influential in terms of my rock education. Um, and and uh, when I was writing for Kerrang in the 80s, I spent a lot of time over there and um, really? clearly saw the enthusiasm and love that people have for rock music. And it's always been a real um, a real hope of mine that one day I would get to do it. So um, 
if Chapter 22's fact-finding mission goes well, you never just know. It would be a fantastic thought to think that Dawn After Dark could be in the States in 2022 or 2023. We'll be looking forward to that. Um, so besides the touring aspect of it, uh, what's next for the band and for yourself? Uh, what can fans expect next from, from you guys? Well, the plan is for this year, obviously COVID really put a spanner in the works of an awful lot of bands' plans. And so our album was released um, in December of last year, so just about uh, two months back. And of course, there were plenty of plans in place uh, to be out playing in the UK and promoting the album. And of course, COVID, the Omicron variant came along, yeah. put paid a lot got cancelled so we'll be looking to play some shows in uh, 2022 in the uk we're certainly going to be doing some shows with a band called wolf spain who i don't know if you remember they had a rick rubin produced uh, debut album at the end of the 80s and good friends of ours so we're going to be doing shows with wolf spain we're going to be doing shows with balami angel there are a couple of festivals in the uk that are slotted in for later in the year and really the The goal is to introduce the new Dawn Rising album to as many people as possible because we're very proud of the record. We think it's uh, it's a really uh, valid piece of music for 2022. We think it stands up against anything that's out there at the moment. If you like your rock hard and classic, yeah. it's, um, it's an album that I think people will get a lot out of. So 2022 is really about trying to spread the word as much as we can about new Dawn Rising. Awesome. Appreciate that. Uh, would you like to send a message to to all the rock music fans listening to this podcast? Absolutely. Thank you for your support. Um, if you don't know Dawn After Dark, please visit our website at www.thedawners.com where you'll be able to hear samples of all the tracks from the album. You'll be able to see the two videos that we've produced for Maximum Overdrive and Nothing Can Fulfill Me, which were the two singles off the album. And of course... If you want any more information, that's where you can contact the band, and we'd be delighted to hear from you. Awesome. Thank you, Howard. Thank you for your time, and uh, uh, great job with the new, the new music. And we hope to, see, you, hope to see you in America soon. Hey, that'd be great. Thanks for taking the time, James. Appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, like, subscribe, download, stream. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeart Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. And we're on uh, Amazon Music. We're on all, uh, just about every way of listening to a podcast nowadays we are there present for you guys to check out our our episodes for free man there is no charge so check it out man we're on anchor and uh, a bunch of other ones so check it out look for us that metal interview podcast it's that metal interview and it's not the metal interview so thank you anyways for your support and don't forget to keep it metal That metal interview.